Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the Yellow Balloons podcast. My name is Joey Willis. I am one of the writers of the Yellow Balloons devotional series. I'm Kylie Willis, and I am basically the behind-the-scenes project manager of all the things go on at Yellow Balloons. And we have with us today a really good friend of ours, Brandon Schumann. And Brandon is the author and producer of Beneath Bethlehem Skies. Brandon, could you just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of context for who you are? Yes, thanks for having me, Kylie and Joey. So I teach at Midland Classical Academy out in Midland, Texas, on the dusty plains out here in, in Texas at Midland Classical Academy. I attend Midland Bible Church. I'm on the pulpit committee there, and I've got a beautiful wife and three wonderful kids between the ages of one and eight. Brandon, could you tell us a bit about what Beneath Bethlehem Skies is and how it came to be, and how does it differ from other Advent devotionals? Yes, yeah, so Beneath Bethlehem Skies is it's different and distinct from other Advent devotionals in, in two ways. Um, the Kind of the most striking way is that a lot of Advent devotions tend to be anecdotal, where they have a kind of a quick verse, a very short story, and a warm thought, and then kind of get you out the door really, really quickly. Uh, what Beneath Bethlehem Skies does is they are devotions that really linger in the painful reality of the world and our moral failures and just recognize the brokenness that we feel. Uh, but more than that, they kind of start at that place, but then move towards the meaning and miracle of Jesus as one who enters a world of body and suffering for our redemption. I think we tend to try to wrap Christmas up in this really pretty packaging. And the truth of Christmas is that it's it's a balance. There's a beauty and there's a sorrow to it. We've got to mourn and celebrate the fact that we need a Jesus to come is uh, is a sorrowful thing in certain ways. But the fact that he did come is the beautiful redemption at the back end of the story. So I, I appreciate just hearing that answer and hearing that it, it kind of acknowledges some of the difficulties and yeah, we talk about Christmas, a lot of people, it's their favorite time of season, but a lot of people, it's also the most difficult season of the year for them. And so to acknowledge that reality, I think, is really wonderful. Yes, they're, in a lot of ways, they're like lamentations for of, of why the world's broken and looking to the hope of how does God speak to that brokenness. And, and Jesus, Jesus is coming to earth is obviously the, the clearest example of that. A second way that, that Beneath Bethlehem Skies is different from other devotionals is it's not just a book. It also is a, is a digital album and a series of corporate meditations that, that can be listened to and experienced in a number of ways. What, like, what, is, what does Beneath Bethlehem Skies do exactly? Well, it, Beneath Bethlehem Skies really speaks and awakens our souls to the reality of Christ's presence and love. What Beneath Bethlehem Skies does is it, it, it causes us to remind and reflect upon what God has done at Advent and at Christmas, and it anticipates the, the hope of what he has promised. But the main thing that it really looks to is it, is it helps us to celebrate and see what Jesus is doing in our lives now. And so it helps us to change our perspective from whatever hurt or busyness that's going on in life to seeing what is God at work 
what is God up to and what is he inviting me to participate in today? That's really neat. Brandon, is Beneath Bethlehem Skies something that uh, an individual could go through? Would it be good for families to go through? Is it designed for churches or larger communities? Could you speak a bit to um, sort of the practical ways that people can use it? Yes, I think the answer is all three. The, the native way that this, this book came about was through me writing these devotions and then sharing them with my church in a corporate setting. Uh, and so it, it, I was able to take what God blessed me with and help bless others in, in churches with congregations. But uh, in compiling them into a book, people are now able to read them on their own uh, in the comfort of their own living room and, uh, and soak in, in them. Uh, or they could read them as small groups and, uh, and perhaps read a, a devotion aloud together and then, and then share what it is that God brought out of that. And so it's, it's for individuals, it's for small groups, and it's for larger congregations as well. And the, the, the idea of kind of acknowledging some of those, the difficulties, was that the beginning of, of the idea here? Or did, that, did you kind of stumble into that as you were thinking about what, what to present and what to say about Advent and Christmas? Well, I didn't start out planning on writing a book. Um, really, what these, how this project began was as really a confessional for myself. Um, I, the first one that I wrote was in 2008. Um, it was Christmas time was coming on, and that was, uh, as most of us can recall, that that was during the time of the, the recession, and it, and it, it was, became aware that this thing's not going to fix itself anytime soon. And, and I just began to, to complain to God about why is the world not going the way I want it to go to, and don't you care? And, and so I just started kind of writing down some of my thoughts in a, in a personal, personal way that wasn't specific to my circumstances, but just kind of as a universal outcry to God, and then, and then listened to what it was that he had to say. And, and of course, God does know what's going on, and he does care. And he does speak to our brokenness, and and Christmas is a fantastic reminder of just how deeply involved in the world God is, and and so that's that's where the project started, and so it was a a confessional that I I just kind of wrote, and it and and God used that writing that time to listen to him to help change my perspective, and then I began kind of making it my own, I guess, kind of Advent liturgy of, of I'm going to go back and just keep writing these things and listening to what God has to say each Advent, and then began sharing them with others who encouraged me to put it into a book. And so that's that's some of the journey. Brandon, can you share a little bit more about the digital album and the artwork series and uh, how people can engage a little bit more on a sensory level with what you have to present in the Advent series? Sure. So these devotions are really immersive. That's what they're intended to do, is to, is to take our time and let us linger in what God is telling us. <clears throat> and during Advent season, um, I was invited to, to read these from from the front of the church uh, out loud to to our congregation with music being played in the background, um, and and it would take probably about six seven minutes to to read and present one of these these that way. And what the digital album attempts to do is to recreate that experience for others uh, to be able to uh, just engage with what's going on 
with with the music. Uh, one of the the guys that often played in the background, Luke McDonald, um, was the guy that recorded the music and, and composed it and then mixed it. He calls it soundscape music, uh, which I think is a fancy word for elevator music, but <laughs> but it really uh, helps set the tone and 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 grab your attention and uh, and gives kind of the emotional notes that that the that the meditations are trying to present. And then with the visual side of things, um, I invited a former student of mine who's an amazing artist. Um, she recently got her art degree, Rachel Long, uh, to uh, give her visual interpretation of what she saw in these in these meditations. And so Rachel kind of took, I didn't give her very many cues about what to do. I just said, uh, paint what you see and, and use watercolors. And I think that was, that was pretty much the directions that I gave her. And then, so she created, uh, 17 watercolors to go along with, uh, the meditations that I wrote to, to help give kind of a, a visual depiction of what, what those things say to her. And, and what I find in them is they're, they're really beautiful images is I, I see things about the things that I wrote that I didn't necessarily see because of what she painted. Hmm. I really love that. For me, I'm like super sensory. Uh, and so the more senses that I can engage uh, when participating in something, the just like the more life comes to it and the more I actually feel like I am a part of what is happening. I actually had a, a, a girl who works for us, Annabelle, her mom works at a church and her mom took a look at this stuff um, and she was incredibly compelled by just every single element that you offer with this. Um, the idea that it's not just a book, but you can have the audio and you can have um, the visual um, is something that is really compelling, I think, to a lot of different people. And so I love the idea that you're not just taking one element, but you're incorporating a lot of different elements to make this really come to life for people, the experience of Advent, and help them to connect with it on a deeper level. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what is in the book? So there's three different versions of the book. There's the hardcover version of the book, which has all of the artwork that Rachel painted for this project, and it has 26 meditations. Uh, the, I wrote 15 of those meditations. Um, I included some scriptural themes that, that go with like the prophecies or maybe the I am's, and so uh, there's six of those. And then I also included five outside sources that weren't me or particular to the Bible, um, three early church fathers, um, a, a beautiful scene in John Milton's Paradise Lost, where the father and the son are discussing what they're going to do to redeem man. And, and Jesus, or the son says that I will go to earth and, um, and man shall find his grace. And so you get this beautiful dialogue that John Milton wrote, um, which is kind of depicts a scene in heaven just before um, before Advent happens. And then um, the fifth uh, outside source was a, a Roman poet named Virgil, who was a pagan, actually, who uh, was famous for writing the Aeneid, and then he wrote a lot of poems called Eclogues, which are uh, poems about nature. And in Eclogue 4, 
he says, I'm changing my subject from talking about nature and streams and trees and flowers and going to speak on a grander scale and uh, begins writing about this golden age of Jupiter's sun coming to earth and uh, swords being beaten into plowshares and um, lions laying down with lambs. And it, it, it reads very much like out of Isaiah. And he ends this poem, he ends Eclogue 4, saying that if I live just a little bit longer, no one would outsing me of your praises. And, and Virgil died in 19 BC. Um, and so uh, to me, yeah, uh, to me, Virgil is a lot like perhaps maybe those magi of just God speaking to, telling his story in, in shadow or in picture and images in other cultures and helping that intersect with, with his grander story. That's really beautiful. Um, what, what is it, Brandon, that you think people connect with about Christmas and the Christmas season and Christmas spirit? That's a great question. Um, Christmas comes at uh, the end of the year. It comes at, at a busy time of year, and it, and it comes uh, at, at a dark time of year, um, just with, uh, with winter coming on. And, and people are looking for hope. They're looking for uh, renewal. And, and what, what Christmas means is it's, it, it is the ultimate story of renewal and hope, of God uh, coming to earth and assuming all of the frailties and hurts that, that we bear upon himself and living among us um, because he loves us. And uh, I think, like, I sa- like it says in one of the, the stories, is that Christmas is God's argument that the world break, broken and wayward as it has become can still be redeemed. And, and Christmas just speaks to that redemption um, not from some declaration on high, but but really getting into the muck and mire of things, and um, and that that is something that people just want to want to feel is not alone, and and we are not alone because of what Jesus has done for us. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, I think that we often look at our brokenness or even the concept of our brokenness and we're terrified that it's going to be the end right the eternal truth about who we are which is why we work so hard to cover it up and not address it and not acknowledge it and all those sorts of things but um i, I think you're right there's so, sort of this pulse to existence this like in and out of uh lamentation celebration uh acknowledging reality hoping for something more and and I think that all kind of comes to to a head with Christmas. And it seems like what you've done is really tap into some of that depth that maybe the glossy Christmas devotionals uh, sometimes don't, you know, have the courage or the or the willingness to get into. And and that's just where where my heart was when this was this was written is just um, it starts from the bitterness and it looks towards the redemption, um, and so. That's that's what these devotions do. Yeah, I think I um, I don't know if I read this somewhere. Maybe I wrote it in one of our devotions. I can't remember. But um, the the phrase it stuck with me for a long time is that lamenting is the first act of worship. Hmm. We've got to kind of acknowledge the sorrow of how things are, uh, and that's the beginning of of really getting into um, celebrating truth, celebrating how things might be. So. We're going to finish up this with a track from the audio series. Um, and before we do that, uh, Brandon, can you, we, this 
Beneath Bethlehem Skies was just released just a few days ago. Um, can you share with all of our listeners where they can get the book and the audio track and everything else in order to be able to engage on a deeper level um, with this season of Advent? Uh, and then just let us know what track we will be listening to. Yes, so Beneath Bethlehem Skies is available on Amazon. Uh, and so the hardcover, the paperback, the ebook are all available on Amazon. Or you could visit my website, which is brandonanthonyshuman.com, and that will send you to Amazon when you order the books. Uh, and the audio track is available, or the digital album is available in several several places. It you can download it on iTunes if you if you're old like me, or if you want to stream it, you can stream it on Google Play or Amazon Music or Apple Music or Spotify, um, and then uh, if you're if you're cheap and on a budget, you can um, look up Beneath Bethlehem Skies, Brandon Anthony Schumann on YouTube, and uh, the all the the tracks are there on on YouTube, so you can you can listen to them that way. And so the track that uh, we're going to listen to is the one called Heaven's Joy, and it talks a lot about perspective, which um, is, is really what Yellow Balloons is about. Um, and, it, and it's a matter of, of what is our perspective uh, on life. And, and the measure of our joy is largely dependent upon uh, the perspective that we choose to have uh, in, in this life and, and who it is that we trust. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brandon. Um, we look forward to seeing you next time we're in Midland. And uh, we hope that all of you enjoy listening to this track. The measure of a man's joy is proportional to the measure of that man's faith. The greater or smaller a man's faith, the greater or lesser his joy will be. And so it is in this fallen world of woe that the joyless sighs of our hearts reveal the littleness of our faith. For nothing on earth satisfies the eternity haunting our hearts. Behind every happiness lies an ache. The very earth we trod groans for its redemption the days are evil. The happinesses we pursue once found neither endure nor satisfy. Set against eternity, all our smiles are mortal, and every moment of happiness is greeted by the tragic promise that nothing lasts forever. Like a band of thieves, a cacophony of lies overwhelm and kidnap our souls. They blindfold our vision and mute our cries until we believe only in what we are able to see. Stolen and hidden away in the dungeons of materialism, that lie becomes our reality. Our very souls forget even themselves, and joy becomes a fraudulent mentality. Leaning on our own understanding, we accept the stunted horizons of a world finited by sin and death. on breasts of bitterness, we scoff at the man who prospects in heaven's joys as naive and ungrounded in reality. For joy is the unbound madness of holy fools who have renounced this world, 
practical men of reason, our happiness, like our faith, is safely bound to this world. Self-prudent and wise, we reject joy and congratulate ourselves for being emotionally honest. Having exchanged our childlike faith for beliefs that are too small-minded, our wants quickly become too small-hearted to enjoy heaven's goods. We abandon celestial joys of heaven in exchange for earthly souvenirs. Fixing our sights on these earthly treasures, our hearts ceaselessly binge on mediocrity and develop a taste for things that never satisfy. Our souls are diminished and consumed by the very things for which we frenzy. Having closed our minds to joy, our weakened hearts lose their strength to rejoice. And without joy, life, at its best, is a struggle in the search for solace amidst suffering. Thus we walk through life tempered, because we know how temporal life can be. We dare not surrender our demented minds from joyless lies, lest joy unhinge our thoughts. We dare not give our frail hearts to joy, lest disappointment shatter them. In a world full of woes, it takes faith to rejoice. Joy is birthed in the conviction that good will ultimately triumph over evil, that light is more lasting than darkness, that life has defeated death, that a baby in a manger miraculously altered the arc of eternity. The angel's message to the shepherds of Bethlehem was that God is man's friend and the lover of man's souls. The shepherd's joy was their souls leap at the wonderfulness of the most certain of things. Joy is our assurance that God's love is more powerful than all suffering. Joy is our heart's affirmation that Christ's victory over sin and death is secured. Joy is heaven's laughter against all the sieges hell can muster. Joy is the eternal fact that God's kingdom will never be shaken. It is in the glorious light of these truest of truths that joy is our only honest response to reality unfiltered. Joy is our soul's exhilaration in the truth of Christmas. The message of Christmas is one of everlasting joy. Christmas is joy's proclamation that a Savior has come to earth to set the captives free. Christmas is joy's redemption of our evil days. Christmas is joy's promise that heaven is eternally given unto all who have faith to believe in Jesus' name. So do we have faith to believe these truest of truths? All of eternity is packed into Christmas. Christmas is eternity's choice, and we cannot be citizens of two kingdoms. It is here at Bethlehem, in a stable beside a manger, that we must choose whether or not we will receive its joys. Earth is not wide enough to hold even the smallest of heaven's joys, and heaven's radiance outshines the brightest luster of earth's most cherished consolations. If we are to participate in the happiness of God's kingdom this Christmas, we must hope beyond mortal horizons. We must have our hearts enlarged. We must increase our faith. So let us celebrate the marvelous gift of our Savior, and let us receive Him with an abiding joy. Let us rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice.
Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.